what I wanted to talk about, I'm calling this 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 talk tonight, Letting in the Good, which is a chapter I got from um, Buddha's Brain, which is a book by Rick Hansen. I don't know if you all are familiar with it. It's a really good book. And he is a evolutionary neuropsychologist and also a Buddhist teacher. And he um, offers a, a, uh, a take on the teachings that I really, really like uh, because he offers some um, neuroscientific support or background on the Buddhist teachings and how to kind of um, support our practice in really practical, pragmatic ways, which I, I really like and I really appreciate. Because if I want to be able to utilize these teachings in my life, the Buddha said we, he teaches this to end suffering. And so how do I do that? How do I go about that? And, and Hansen offers some, um, um, some helpful, helpful hints that I want to share, some of them I want to share tonight. I think it's, it's an important teaching in general, and it's especially important right now because right now it can be incredibly difficult for so many of us, regardless of our circumstances. Um, we're going through some experiences that I don't think any of us have gone through before, and it's a lot of, um, a lot of groundlessness, a lot of unknown happening. So how do we, how do we um, support ourselves and be kind to ourselves in this practice? And this is a way of being kind to ourselves. Um, you know, we can sometimes have tunnel vision, but it's, it's important to shift the perspective, and that's what this helps us do. And this teaching is based on um, the Eightfold Path, the, one of the factors of the Eightfold Path, wise effort or right effort, which is to abandon the, th the thoughts that are not beneficial, that are not helpful, that are not skillful. In the, in the traditional um, Buddhist terminology, it's called unwholesome. And the, there's even a sutta that says, um, abandon what is unskillful. The Buddha says, abandon what's unskillful, abandon what's un not beneficial. And he said, if it wasn't possible to do this, I wouldn't ask you to do it. And he said, develop what is beneficial and what is skillful. And if it weren't possible to do that, I wouldn't ask you to do it. And so since he was a, a human being, not any kind of deity, it's like, hey, if I could do it, you could do it. That's basically the teaching. If I could do it, you could do it. You just have to make the effort. And that's what this is, the skillful effort of letting go those thoughts that don't serve. Um, really util making the effort, being willing to recognize those habits of mind that are not helpful at all, that aren't beneficial. And the actual teaching of wise effort, um, uh, right effort, is to prevent those, benef um, those unwholesome, unskillful, non-beneficial thoughts from arising, prevent them. If that's not possible, then to let them go once they're there. Um, and to cultivate the beneficial and to maintain the beneficial thoughts. So if you're thinking about meditation practice itself, that's kind of what we're doing. Recognizing when we're lost in thinking that doesn't serve a purpose. When we're lost in, in future tripping or past, replaying, rehashing old stories um, or just kind of lost in fantasy. 
that doesn't serve. Much of the time it's like, meh, but sometimes it's not, it's harmful. Sometimes it's, it, it, it exaggerates or intensifies the discomfort we're in. Um, so that's what we're doing and to bring ourselves back, let go of the unwholesome, let go of what doesn't serve and come back and see what does serve. Um, you know, the Buddha taught this 2,600 years ago. See, pay attention, notice when you're caught up in this, this thinking that doesn't work and let it go and to keep it down. Um, and it doesn't, it just doesn't mean, and this is a very important point, this doesn't mean that we don't experience unpleasant. This doesn't mean that we deny pain when it's there because there is pain in this world. You know, there's birth, death, loss, grief. There's um, pandemic. I would put that in there in the first noble truth of suffering and dis dissatisfactory experience. However, it's how we relate to it that's important. We don't um, push away the experience itself, but we pay attention to what the mind does with it. That's the important point. We pay attention to what the mind does with it. So what tends to drive our thinking are our memories, our experiences, whether we're, whether we're consciously aware of them or not. And these memories are, there's two kinds of memories. There's explicit and implicit. And explicit are those that are kind of on the surface that we can kind of uh, recognize, pull out um, at any time, uh, like remembering my cat's name or my address or your partner's name or any of those things that are really right at the surface and you can remember easily. And then there are the implicit memories, which are deep and buried and um, unconscious. And those are, those are the ones that color our world. Those are the ones that shape how we see our perspective. Um, they are, form our expectations, our emotional tendencies, how we learn to react to things or not react. And, and it's basically our general outlook on things. There's, um, uh, they're based on our, our conditioning of our family, cultural conditioning, um, the society in which we live, the messages we receive. I was listening to a podcast um, with Brene Brown. You probably, if you sit with me, you're going to hear a lot of this because she now has a podcast of, um, forget what it's called, but she it's really focused on working, dealing with um, how we move through this pandemic and our emotions. And she has a lot, not specifically, but she has a lot of, uh, people on that she talks to. And one woman that I was listening to this morning has written a book called Untamed and how we were, we've all been tamed in some way, shape or another. We've been form, um, formed by our, 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 uh, our uh, interactions with the world. And she kind of puts it in the terms of like, um, if you know the story or how they train elephants, they chain them to a post in the ground. And then after a while, the elephant, they, they release the elephant, but the elephant still thinks it's chained to a post in the ground. I mean that we get trained in a certain way. It, it's pushed in deeply 
and we don't know there's anything different. We just don't know there's anything different. And that's what forms the habitual patterns of mind. That's what f forms our, our way of seeing the world. That's, that's how that works. And so these are our implicit memories that drive how we react to things. I'm reading a book by Ruth King called, um, uh, I forget what the name of it is. Oh, it's right here. Healing Rage. And it's not that we're angry all the time, but this, this, these emotions that we have buried deep inside, again, color us because we're not talking or we're not um, addressing them. And we, be, we develop different patterns of reaction. And she, she creates things like where we become um, dependent or we become devoted like people pleasers or we become distracted. We're always looking for something to take our minds out of this. And it's these are based on implicit memories. And so that's what we're working with. And that's what you see when you sit down to practice. You see where your mind takes you. Um, so that's one piece of what we're dealing with. Another piece of what we're dealing with is a negativity bias. And the neg and that's just the brain. It's like it was, you know, way back in the olden days, we had to always be on the uh, lookout for, for people or things that were going to attack us. Um, and so there's this negativity to look for the what's, what's the harmful thing here? What's the, um, the, the unsafe thing here? Again, it's not conscious, but that's how the mind works. It's like, you know, the old saying, if there's a hundred people in a room and 99 love you and one of them doesn't love you, who are you going to focus on? Generally, it's that one that's not in the room or that one that doesn't like us. So that's what we have to be aware of. Um, they talk about it, how the positive, the pleasant, the positive, the beneficial, um, wholesome thoughts um, bounce off like Teflon and the unpleasant, uh, the negative, so to speak, thoughts stick like Velcro. So we've got this, this, these implicit bias, these implicit memories, and then this negativity bias. So that's why a lot of times when we think what's going to happen, we think the worst is going to happen. It's because of how we're, we're conditioned. So what we're asked is not to deny the unpleasant, as I said, but to recognize what's happening and to right the imbalance. So that's what wise effort is. Recognize when you're caught up in these really um, these habits of mind that are painful, that cause suffering, and and work to abandon those and cultivate the more the the more beneficial aspects of the mind. And in order to do that, we have to recognize when the beneficial is there. We have to recognize when the pleasant or the positive or the not negative is there. And so there's a way to do this. And these are the, these are the um, things that, that Rick Hansen offers, these ways of working with the mind that are incredibly helpful. And first of all is recognize the beneficial. Recognize when someone pays you a compliment and receive it. Take it in. 
bring the body into it. This can be really a challenge. You ever, ever who here, when someone pays you a compliment, is dismissive? You know, say that's a yeah, that's a nice that's a nice article of clothing. I like your shoes, and you go, oh, these old things, or whatever. And instead, can you say thank you? Say thank you. And what does it feel like to receive a compliment? You're such a generous person. Oh no, oh, you did a good job. If I could do it, anybody can do it. We can be dismissive, or or or. What do they think they want something from us? Our mind just can't sometimes accept it because we're on the lookout or it's our conditioning. Instead, the invitation is to feel it. What does it feel like when someone compliments you? Experience it. Embody it. Additionally, it doesn't even have to be something like that. If you see something beautiful, hang out with it. A sunrise, a sunset. Right now it's spring and the flowers are crazy here in Southern California. It's the spring is in full bloom. Or something that brings you joy. Be with it. What does it feel like in your body? You know, so turn it into an experiential. Um, something experiential rather than just a, in one ear and out the other. That means making the effort to stay with. That's what you're practicing. You're being mindful. Recognize it and hang out with it. That's how you cultivate it. That's how you, you bring it up. And when you savor it, savor it for a few seconds. I want each of you now to think of something pleasant. It can be like, you know, the smell of a flower or your uh, a pet or a loved one, something that you can get a real sense of, of, of contentment or joy or ease in your body. So just reflect on that. Okay, that was five seconds. Did that seem like a long time? Yeah, that was five seconds. And so Rick says to when you experience something pleasant, experience it for five seconds or 10 seconds or 20 seconds. We're just like bing, bing. You know, we're off to the next thing so often. But when you savor it and the longer you hold on to it, in your awareness and emotion and it's emotionally stimulating it actually has a beneficial impact on the neurons and they if you know neurons that fire together wire together they fire and wire together it has a beneficial impact when you do that it impacts your emotions your bodily sensations so that's why I always do a gratitude practice at the end of our meditation I got that from Rick Hansen because it has a beneficial impact on the brain to, to embody gratitude. It makes a difference, you know, and then you can enrich it with other experiences that are pleasant. Oh, they said I did a good job. I, I, I accomplished this. I did something 
you know, well. And I remember some other times I did some good things or I was helpful or I was generous or I smelled the night blooming jasmine, which I love, which is happening right now. Oh, and I know every time, every, every year at this time, there's night blooming jasmine. So not just the present time, but support it with memories of, of pleasant things. That builds a bond. And that then starts becoming an implicit memory. And that becomes something that you're, you can call on. That's the cultivation of, of beneficial thought that the Buddha talked about. You know, feel it, bring it in. It, it cultivates or it brings up, um, generates oxytocin, which is a, which is a really, uh, it's a nice chemical, makes pleasant in the brain. So um, this, this, um, this uh, rewiring of the brain and, and supporting the brain with other uh, pleasant or uh, beneficial emotions is, is often helps, helps with healing. So when you are um, experiencing um, something that's really unpleasant or painful, like grief or some, some, just something, it doesn't matter because whatever it is, it's, it's our own story. It's our own present time experience. There's no judging around it. So when you share that with someone you trust, someone who's supportive, it can have a beneficial impact and be can used to heal and soothe unpleasant experiences. We talk about hard things with someone who is supportive. It has a, um, again, a calming impact. And that's kindness. That's compassion. You were asking about self-compassion. That's being compassionate to yourself. Again, the Brene Brown podcast, she was talking on one of the podcasts to Tarana Burke, who founded Me Too 14 years ago. And she said that's, um, you know, it's, it's not necessarily someone who has experienced the same thing that you did. She was working with teens um, um, who had experienced sexual abuse. So it's not necessarily that you can say, yeah, I had that same experience, but I've had those emotions. I've had rage. I've had anger. I've had fear. So me too. I can connect with you on that. So there's a bonding that happens there. There's a connection that happens there too. So again, this supports the rewiring of the brain this effort to um, maintain beneficial thoughts. Because what happens generally when we are um, facing something that's uncomfortable, um, we double down on it. We, we have something that's unpleasant here, like um, people, so many people have lost their jobs uh, or been laid off or relationship a relationship breaks up what tends to happen or what can happen commonly is the mind runs down this pathway this habitual pattern of thinking of um i'm never going to be in another relationship again i might as well whatever or i'm not going to leave this relationship because you know what they say a uh, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush so I better hang on to something that's pretty shitty because shitty is better than nothing at all. 
So we get full, we're driven by fear. We're unable to let go. Or we lose a job and we'll never be hired again. I know I had that experience. You know? What happens when we these things touch our deep core? Whatever it is, mine is a sense of inadequacy and always be on, being on the outside looking in. Again, this podcast, this one was talking, she was talking about her sense of, she was always a sensitive child, so she, her parents kept telling her she was just too much. You're just too much. So she just kind of became a hidden person. You know, so that the implicit, implicit memories that run away with us, which is, that's the habitual pathways in the mind. That's why I, I invite you when you're meditating to recognize those stories. It's that same old story again. The details may be different depending on what's happening in your life at this moment. But the path is often the same. Never going to have this again. This is going to turn out shitty. This is going to be awful. Anybody in here ever have those experiences? A couple people. Or we get stuck in the past of trying to re-fix what happened. It's that neural pathway. It's, that's why I always say it's not your fault. These things, your experiences, your attachment to the storyline, your craving for a particular outcome, it's not your fault. It's this, this, this um, old partner of yours. It's an old partner that's run with you for a large part of your life. And until you start paying attention to it, recognize it and be willing to let go and shift into different ways of thinking, different neural patterns, it's going to hang out. It's not easy. It's not easy. If it were easy, we'd all be experts and enlightened and la di da di da But I'm not there yet. And, um, I'm guessing a couple of you are not either. But so we 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 replace the unwholesome, unbeneficial story with a, 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 a more beneficial one. We see right view. We see clearly, you know, right intention. We have an intention to move in a direction away from this stuff that causes us so much pain. You know, that's, just the, that's the teaching of the second arrow. We have the arrow of the pain of the present moment, the, the loss of a job, the insecurity of, of life right now, the breakup of a relationship, the death of a loved one. We take that pain and we learn to hold it and be compassionate towards it. The second arrow, the third arrow is when we go, this, is, this, this sucks, this shouldn't happen. No, I'm not going to accept this. This will never get better. It's all your fault. I shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that. That's all doubling down on the pain that's present. Instead of letting go of that doubling down, those other arrows, and just hang out with, the, with what's here, with kindness and compassion. And we move the negative to the background and bring the more beneficial, wholesome to the foreground. So I still have those thoughts 
you can't do this, you, you're not good enough, you're not going to be able to do this. Don't, don't, don't say yes to that because you're going to fail. That's the old deep pattern that's so deeply ingrained into me. However, I recognize that pattern now. I go, oh, I mean, not right away sometimes. Sometimes I have to struggle with it, suffer with it for a while. But then it's like, oh, inadequacy, not good enough. Oh, yeah. Move that to the background. Know it's there. Be gentle with it. But then move what's actually happening right now. Oh, there's some fear. I'm letting that, that negative story take, take front and center place. I don't have to. I can say, oh, that's an old story. But this is, what, oh, I can probably do this. This is not anything I haven't done before. I, I'm qualified. Okay, I can do this. Yeah. And then we go and do it. That's how we move through. That's how we face fear. That's how we're kind to ourselves. We don't deny the pain of this sense of, of uh, what's happening, the loss or the deep wounding that we've had. We hold it gently and kindly. But we don't run away with it into tomorrow, into the past. We stay present with it, letting go of those stories, those habitual patterns of thinking. And yes, we're all worthy of it. You know, it's like sometimes we get to this, this question of, um, isn't that cheating? Replacing what's replacing this negativity with this positivity? Um, no. That's kind of like if any of you are familiar with EMDR, it's a, um, um, it's a way of uh, uh, working with trauma. And people who have had great trauma, EMDR is changing the story, changing how the, the story ends in your mind. And I, I did this, EMDR, and I remember after my first session, I went, well, that's cheating. That's not what really happened. But luckily, I was able to let that go and say, oh, but it feels a whole lot different. The brain doesn't know. It doesn't change my history. It doesn't change what happened. But it helps shift the pattern of how I now respond. It, it kind of moves it into a different realm. It rewires the neurons. And so I can see, oh, yeah, that's that old story, but I don't have to get trapped by it anymore. And, and in this, um, in here, Rick Hansen talks about because of the neuroplasticity of our brain, because we can rewire the brain by doing this. He says, because of all the ways your brain changes its structure, your experience matters beyond its momentary subjective impact. It makes enduring changes in the physical tissues of your brain, which affect your well-being, functioning, and relationships. Based on science, this is a fundamental reason for being kind to yourself, cultivating wholesome experiences and taking them in. So being kind to ourselves supports the healing 
being compassionate towards ourselves supports our healing helps us to let go of those things that don't serve. It's another way of looking at the Buddhist teaching. But it's all about wise efforts, seeing what's harmful, what doesn't serve, letting it go, and replacing it with what is helpful, what's beneficial. It's really important. And again, it's not intended to eliminate suffering or pain. It's not a a, a spiritual bypass. It's about recognizing that we can hold what we're experiencing right now without getting lost in these stories, which is what's really the, the suffering. We hold it without, you know, going down those, those rabbit holes. Um, intensifying the difficulty we just we just hold it and it's and it's what we're doing is we're nourishing ourselves we're cultivating well-being we're cultivating contentment you know it's a place of refuge when you can stay right here with whatever's present right here that's powerful it's liberating and even if shit's hitting the fan there can be some ease with it There can be some ease with it when you're kind, when you're compassionate, not when you're judging, not when you're comparing, not when you're saying all this shit. It's it's really important to know that we stay with it, and staying with it nourishes it, changes the brain. Taking in the good changes the brain in a beneficial way. So that's what I got. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.